Happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products. You can visit their website, abotanicalcompany.com, or give them a call, 405-458-9699. Let them educate you on what they have available and how it can improve your daily life. All you have to do is make that call, and or, or again, go to the website and just take a look at what they have. And uh, I, I'm a customer. They are great people. Uh, they're more than happy to answer any questions you have. So uh, check it out. I, I, I strongly urge you to, uh, like I said, give them a call and ask questions if you're in doubt about anything. But definitely check out the website, abotanicalcompany.com. And when you check out online, use the code Colby Show, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, Colby Show, for 15% off your online order. So very easy to navigate the website, abotanicalcompany.com. Use the code Colby Show. For 15% off your online order at Artisan Botanicals, abotanicalcompany.com. All right, we have a busy day, busy week. Christmas just a few days away. Uh, not to mention, like, this whole college football end of the year conclusion with the bowl games and the college football playoff and these postseason college football awards and sending people home for a very short Christmas break, followed by coming back, like, four days later and having three days to prepare for a bowl game, like... This is, it's such a whirlwind, uh, I feel like. Everything is happening at this warp speed with the college football world. But uh, it's it's crazy to think that Oklahoma just played their Big 12 championship game on Saturday. And a week from today, uh, or, or excuse me, a week from tomorrow, uh, they've got Florida in the Cotton Bowl, if, if that game even happens. I mean, you know, I don't know. Both teams are sending players home for the holidays, which I, I uh, appreciate. Um, you know, those guys haven't seen their families since what, like July or whatever. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. But I mean, no part of me would, would also be surprised if, if you come back and have a bunch of positive tests and, and the game doesn't happen. So we'll see how all of that, uh, all of that plays out. But yeah, just the, just the way the whole college football season ends and you have championship Saturday and CFP Sunday and like, you know, the awards this week. And I mean, we have bowl games like almost immediately. Um, whereas, you know, we, we generally have that, what feels like a year break between the end of, of the, uh, conference championship games and the beginning of bowl season. So anyway, it's a very fast start. And speaking of fast starts, the NBA season begins tonight as well. And that also feels like it just ended. It feels like we just watched LeBron James win the championship. And then we went through the NBA draft and free agency and, it almost feels like all these teams are still trying to kind of figure out what their rosters look like. And here we go. The preseason is done. And tonight we have regular season NBA basketball. Uh, what it, again, like I said at the top, just a whirlwind, I think, of, of sports activity happening over the course of this week. And especially when you consider, uh, obviously, Oklahoma State in the Cheez-It Bowl. Um I forget what's what bowl is Tulsa in against Mississippi State. I forget the name of, of that bowl, but Tulsa in a bowl bowl matchup. Uh, Oklahoma, Florida next Wednesday in the Cotton Bowl. The Thunder tipping off their season tomorrow night, um, and then you you add Christmas right in the middle of all that. Uh, what a wild week! But I'm I'm certainly grateful to be here doing this, and certainly grateful to all of you for uh, hanging out with me. My guest every Tuesday is Eric G with 97.1 the Sports Animal Tulsa, co-host of the Pat Jones Show. Eric, we're a few days away from Christmas. It is Christmas week. I know it's a wild week in the sports world as well, but how's it going, man? It's going fantastic. Um, this is always a fun time of year when you have kids. Now, I, I will say that I think for most people, it's the most stressful week 
of the year, depending on what the holiday plans are. If you're getting together with family, if you have to provide some sort of some sort of uh, meal or baked goods, or <laughs> you're trying to get those last minute presents, uh, we've done, we've done everything we can in this life to make what should be the most joyous, fun time for everyone. One where you pretty much need about a year's worth of psychotherapy just to get through the week. <laughs> if you're not stressed out in the holidays, are you actually experiencing the holidays? I think is what you're saying. No. Yes, exactly. I mean, that, 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 that's the way it is. It's like, oh, holiday fun and Santa, and, you know, we're, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus and, you know, everybody's got their yard fixed up. But I mean, it just, it all starts. I mean, Right around Thanksgiving, yeah, it starts with the putting up of the Christmas stuff in the house, out of the house. You try to get everyone in the mood, but at some point along the way, you realize you don't have near enough stuff done that you need to get done. And on top of that, for most Americans, there's there's work obligations you have uh, in a normal year. Usually, there's kids programs, be it at church, be it at school. There are winter sports going on with with basketball leagues where people are spread out all over the country. Yeah, this is just like you, you see something like a Christmas story where the family's at home. Dad goes to work, he comes home. Mom's at home. Kids go to school. That's the way life is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be this stressful. But, man, we have, we have screwed that up. I mean, even without COVID, we have yeah. become yeah. Uh, the most tense. I think the most tense society we could have ever possibly imagined. And yet, not just America. I think everybody, I, I think everybody around this time of year in any part of the world is somewhat freaking out. But, um, hey, January will be here soon enough, and I guess you get to relax and go back to the grind. I'm not, not really sure where the light is at the end of the tunnel on the stress, <laughs> but at some point it'll all be off your shoulders, and you can drown your sorrow in spiked eggnog and sugar cookies, which makes everything a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, in, in a typical year, I feel like, for us at least, it's it's a situation where over this, like, however many day span we have available, whether it's three or five or six or whatever, like, we have, the, ske the schedule is so full from going from place to place to place to place to have all of these different Christmas celebrations with different parts of the family. Not to mention, I am notorious for liking to make really enjoying making things extremely difficult on myself and not <laughs> Christmas shopping until it's, it's the absolute last minute. So like when you're supposed to be somewhere at one and it takes 30 minutes to get there and it's 1220 and you have 40 minutes to get there. That's when I like to go, Oh yeah, I don't have a present yet. So we're going to have to like make a stop <laughs> on the way. So <laughs> it's not, I think you, um, I think every man in the world, <laughs> okay. Every man, and it's not always, and here's the thing you got to remember, the present is not always for your wife, it's not always for your kid, maybe it's for your father or your mother or just, you know, somebody you're supposed to randomly buy for, yeah. but there are always at least one, two presents that we just have put on the back burner, we just, we just do it, because it's in our DNA, it's on the back burner, we believe we have enough time, we know we don't have enough time. But we sort of fool ourselves into thinking that we do. Right. And then when it gets right up against the clock, it's like, oh, crap. And there's something about it. Like, I'm going to tell you, this is how sick I think all of us are as men. 
and and every guy who's listening to this, if if you're if you're listening to this and you're a guy, you, you are you are getting that wry smile on your face now. We love, and I mean we love the challenge of going into a store where it looks like it's been ransacked and everything is gone. We love the challenge oh, yeah. of finding a present under those conditions. Finding we the diamond it. in the rough. Yeah. It, exactly. That's just, it, it's in our DNA. That's the one time we get to be Jerry Jones. We get to be um, Al Davis, as it were, because both those guys always felt like with football players, they could find something that nobody else saw, that nobody else thought was really worth anything. But they were going to prove the world wrong, like they had just that they had found the gold mine that was going to help them win multiple Super Bowls. That's how we are on, on Christmas Eve, about two o'clock in the afternoon, going to Walmart. It's been hit. It looked like there's anything that looked like you can find that special present, but by God, we're going to find it. I mean, it's it's <laughs> honestly one of the reasons why. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I'm supremely confident that if the zombie apocalypse happens, I'm going to be resourceful enough to to make it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we all look. Every <laughs> man in the world believes. I, I I don't care how. Look, you could be like me, the most mechanically challenged person in the world. Like I can't do the darn thing in my house. I, I can't cook. I mean, I can't do anything. Cause I mean, I've been living with my wife since we graduated college. Like I never really had that, you know, that bachelor life. Yeah. But I honestly believe that if the world depended on me and I was living out in the middle of the woods, Oh yeah, I can go chop down a tree and, and build a house and, you know, hunt and, you know, kill for food. Yeah. I believe that cause I'm a man. I'm supposed to believe that. Amen, brother. Not Amen. true. It's a complete falsehood, but yeah, I believe it. You know what? Bring on Christmas. Bring on the last minute shot. When you lay down at night and you put your your head on your pillow and you close your eyes, at least in your mind, you're able to accomplish all those things. And that's all that matters, damn it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, we wake wake up in the morning, we rip off our shirt, we grab something and hold it above our head like we had just, (laughs) you know, we had just conquered. Yeah something like every man wants to conquer something that's just who yeah. we are as individuals so christmas christmas plays into that i did get really good back in the single days at like right around the beginning of december now th- this wasn't my actual christmas shopping because like i said that always takes place at the very last minute but i did get pretty good back in the day at like right at the beginning of December when they start like putting up the big displays of all of the gift cards in all the stores, buying like quite a few like Starbucks cards. Cause here's the thing, like you said, you're always going to run into that situation where you, you know, you forgot like you're doing some sort of like one of these smaller gift exchanges or something. Maybe it's a work gift exchange or a friend gift exchange or, you know, something like that. Um, So like the cool thing about that is, I would use those anyway. So if like I didn't end up having to use them, then I just use them on myself because I was getting Starbucks on a pretty daily basis at that point in my life anyway. So it worked out, but I also had this like backup of Starbucks gift cards where if anything popped up, it's just like, oh, here you go. And and like, you know, that's just a nice gift. Like who doesn't appreciate that? No, oh, everybody loves a Starbucks gift card yeah. because, you know, it, because in your head, it's free coffee. 
Right. I mean, you now, give them a $50 a gift card, they're able to go three times and really enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, hey, I, and that's what you do. You give somebody a Starbucks gift card. It's not like they're just going to go there and order the house blend or the Italian roast or um, the, the pipe trips and just get just a cup of coffee. No, 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 no. You got that gift card. It's like, oh, no. Like, I've had my eye on, uh, for me, it would be, you know, I've had my eye on a Vinte Cafe Americano with eight shots of espresso. Normally six, but now I get the gift card. Let's put two extra shots in there. I've had my eye on that yeah. now for about three months. Yeah. Somebody gives me a gift card. I'm, 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 I'm going to get that. Starbucks has to love that because, you know, for women, it's like, all right, um, I normally wouldn't do this, but I'm going to get the half wrap, you know, six shots of <laughs> hazelnut. Yeah. It's never, oh, it's wow, never it's just venti coffee. Hey, I didn't pay for it. Yeah. It's never venti coffee. It's like caramel <laughs> macchiato extra shot. With whipped cream or, you know, who, I don't know. It's Well, when, when you're spending what is your money, in, in air quotes, right. you're, you're a lot more fiscally responsible at yeah. Starbucks. It's like, uh, no, I, yeah, yeah. You know, we're, we're bordering on eight bucks for a cup of coffee here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pull back just a bit. Yeah. But man, you get the gift card. No, no, Yeah, extra shot I'm with going, the gift card. I'm you get an extra all, shot every time when you have the gift card. I'm going all in on this, man. I'm, it, treat, I'm treating myself. It's a lot like the restaurant gift card with, like, the appetizer, right? Like, a lot of people don't order yes. the appetizer when they just go out to eat and it's their own money, but if you have the gift card, man, you're getting, like, uh, cheese sticks or nachos or you're getting something on the table before your actually actual meal comes because it's gift card time, baby. Or, or dessert. It's like, you know, normally I wouldn't get the yeah, yeah, cheesecake here. Normally we would, we would just go to Brahms and whatever we would get at Brahms would, you know, for the for the two of us, where we got our own desserts, or the four of us, we got our own desserts, would probably still cost less than that piece of cheesecake at the restaurant. But by God, I'm not paying for it. I get the gift card. <laughs> yeah. So throw that dessert on there, man. Yeah. Amen. You guys have big plans? You traveling anywhere? Um. Yeah. We're uh. We are going to uh, North. West Oklahoma City for Christmas. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Trucking across the metro. Look, yeah. hey, that's uh, that's you know that that meant something different a year ago, but. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. Well, you know, I this year you have Christmas plans, and it's it really is. I mean, it's like rolling the dice to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, we're going to my wife's aunt's for for Christmas in Northwest Oklahoma City. My parents are literally like three minutes away from us here in Edmond and we'll nice. go visit them as well. But uh, it's been, you know, I think everybody that, you know, may have listened to us when we were on the franchise, you know, I made no secret of the fact that I spent 12, 13 years in New Mexico. So this time of year, I got really used to driving eight hours right. from Albuquerque Ugh. all the way to Oklahoma city and then turning around and making that drive back. So honestly, one yeah, of the worst drives in the history uh, of the world. It is. Yeah. Because once you get past Moriarty, New Mexico, there's nothing till Tucumcari, and then there's nothing till Santa Rosa, or is it the other way around? And then there's nothing till Amarillo. Oh. And then you're like, God, can I just see Eric, Oklahoma? Just give me Eric, Oklahoma at some point. 
Driving in Oklahoma is not bad. That western part of Oklahoma, I always rather enjoyed that drive. Clinton, Weatherford, that area, I, I, I like that part of the country. It's nice and green, but once you hit desert and the towns are spread far apart, you're yeah. just praying to God. If there's enough gas in the car, the oil is, is changed, and you're not going to break down. Yeah. That you know, if you're about to go over that hundred thousand mile mark, it, it, it's it, you're still going to have enough to get to your destination. Once you see that but, first tumbleweed yeah, around the Amarillo area, you're screwed. Yeah, it's just a sign like, of the things oh, to come crap. for the next like two hundred miles. <laughs> the, the sign that you're a, the sign that you're in no man's land, and only people that have driven in that that area of the United States are going to understand that the sign that you're in no man's land is when you see the first all subs convenience store. Oh, as soon as you see yes. the words all subs, you know that that nothing that nothing can be good until maybe you get to Los Angeles, California, because civilization is few and far between for, for, from. From that point on, no matter how far you're driving, just people become sparse. Locations are locations just disappear. I mean, if you're going on GPS and I mean you're looking on your display, it's like nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, town, nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> it just kind of continues. Um, although, if you are like if you were to drive from Oklahoma City to California. And you take that area around Flagstaff, it is at least pretty. Yeah, Flagstaff, yeah. Arizona is is not Arizona. You've got pine trees and it's green, and uh, the weather's not you know too bad. In fact, you can get you can get snow. Beautiful place, uh, in yeah. Flagstaff. We did, yeah, we we ran into it once uh, when we were going to the Rose Bowl. But when OU was out there to play Washington State, we drove from Albuquerque to, to go watch that game. Um, yeah, that's not bad, but. If you're used to living in Oklahoma, the Oklahoma City Metro or the Tulsa Metro, and there are suburbs and there are towns and there are structures, going out that far west, man, can just it, it can it can <laughs> leave you really depressed really quick. And no by doubt. God, you better have satellite radio or the or enough podcast loaded up to keep you busy because radio signals start disappearing. There's or the radio stations that you get are usually the music radio stations that would play every record in the world that ever had a hole in it. So there yeah. you are. You're going to go from Metallica to Christopher Cross to something you've never heard of before. And you just wonder, is this real? So. <laughs> My mom actually lived in Flagstaff for a while. And when she moved back to Oklahoma, I flew out there and then drove the U-Haul for her back to Oklahoma with all her stuff. And there was probably, this was this was also like, 2003, 2004-ish maybe. So, I mean, you know, we weren't in the podcast age or the digital age for that matter. So there was a period of time in that I about just had a F-bomb rant. Um, there was a period of time in that drive where I, I was probably without any sort of radio or entertainment for like multiple hours. Oh my God. Because there's just, there's spots, uh, you know, on that drive where you just, you don't even get radio stations. So bad, so bad. Well, you're you're just there cool, listening like, to the wind blow the the eighty mile an hour wind blow into the side of the U-Haul truck, and you're having to like turn the wheel at a like forty five degree angle to keep it on the road. There's no sound at all, but the wind blowing. Oh, talk about the one of the worst experiences of all time. 
Now, if you're a radio geek like me, there is there is a secret. Now, no, it say you can't do this, but at night, if you're making that drive, which I, at night that drive can be way scary because there are no lights. You're really depending on <laughs> just your your car headlights, and there's anything around. But at least at night, you can flip on the AM dial, and you can usually hit stations from all over the country. So I mean, you can hit like a, a Phil Henry talk show, which is he was usually quite entertaining. I don't even know if he's still doing a talk show or I mean, you can get like Spurs play by play or Mavericks play by play or just it all yeah. kind of hits. You can, you know, KOA from Denver has a really strong signal. So if you're interested in, in what's going on in the Denver Metro area, you can usually get that, or maybe it's a Nuggets or a Broncos game. Um, so some of that for me was kind of neat driving at night, but at the same time, it was still like, yeah, this is, this is how horror movies start <laughs> on roads like this when there's nobody around. <laughs> yeah. You know, even though it's six o'clock at night, it feels like it's a hell of a lot later and bad things are about to happen. Yeah. Also, before we actually talk sports, um, you mentioned all subs. I can't let an all subs reference go by without promoting the all subs bean burrito and the all subs chimichanga. Because anytime you see an all subs, if you yes. don't stop and get a bean burrito and a chimichanga, you're doing it wrong because they are outstanding. And they're not good. They're not good for. Uh, they're not good for your intestines. Absolutely. But, you not. know, hey, you only you only live once. Yeah, you're gonna have to stop again about an hour later. <laughs> but I'm telling. But but the first time, it, it's worth it. How good they are going yes. in outweighs how bad they are coming out. I guess is what I'm saying. Yes, that 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 no truer words have ever been spoken <laughs> in the history of man. But yes, you have to you have to get the chimichanga oh, because so there's good. something about the fact that it is that it is deep fried just just puts an extra layer oh, of taste. It's so in. good, so good. I love it. There, there's an all subs in my hometown. That's why I say that. So that was like every time every time oh, I go really? home. Yeah, every time I go home, like. After the long drive, like that's the we you know the first thing we do is go get a bean burrito and a chimichanga from All Subs, and that's like the snack to like you know kind of give us a little energy after the drive. So I didn't realize you were from that part of Texas. Oh yeah, yeah, middle of nowhere. Yeah, no, I, that's why that's why I can I can say without hesitation the drive out that way is god awful because I'm from there. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah, not good. No, I, I don't recommend it on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Once All right. in your life, fine, but every other week, no, that, that does not work. Let's let's talk football. Um, I, know, I know a lot of the conversation the last couple of days has been focused more around the CFP. Um, I, I basically did an entire show on the CFP yesterday, and we'll come back around to that, but I kind of want to start with your thoughts on just what happened in the Big 12 championship, Oklahoma football overall, and, I mean, obviously a sixth straight conference championship, considering what the odds were maybe two months ago, is is pretty amazing to me. Yeah, it, it is. Um, we were, on our, on our show yesterday, just to promote the you know, shameless self-promotion of the Pat Jones show, we were doing our defensive player of the year, coach of the year, offensive player of the year in the Big 12, and I stood alone in giving the coach of the year to Lincoln Riley. And, you know, Pat kind of called me on it. He said, I was letting Riley off the hook because you, you you lost to Iowa State and you lost to Kansas State, and that's not living up to the Oklahoma standards, which I 100% agree with him. However, 
this just felt like the year where Lincoln Riley did his best coaching job as far as keeping that team focused and at least throwing enough carrots in front of them or dangling enough carrots in front of them to give them belief that, that they still had something to play for despite those losses this year. Because with COVID, the testing, just having, get, you know, you had the West Virginia game eventually get canceled. Things get moved around. Um, and there being uncertainty with Ramondre Stevenson and Ronnie Perkins and then Trajan Bridges having that kind of hang over their head all season long. The fact that he was able to kind of rally the troops, so to speak, and get them to to play up to what is an OU standard and from de- from a defensive standpoint, better than what the current OU standard is. I, I wanted to give him coach of the year for that. Um, is he living up to OU's expectations, losing two games this year and only going to the Cotton Bowl? No. And I will still say that as a whole, he has not lived up to OU expectations despite the despite the Heisman and going to the playoffs because OU's expectations aren't to just merely play for a shot at the national championship, but it is to play for the national championship and to win the national championship. Uh, but all in all, I think the state of OU, I mean, well, for as critical as I am, I can't say anything other than it, it's, it's really good in the state of the program. Defense looks to continue to get better. We'll know a hell of a lot more after the Cotton Bowl. Uh, which should probably scare the hell out of any OU fan. And offensively, you know, they're going to be good every year. Um, just there's, you know, until somebody can prove that they're a legitimate challenger to OU, they're going to rule the roost in this conference for the foreseeable future. And unfortunately, all that lies on Texas because you just don't have enough schools in this conference to compete at that kind of level. But state of the program, um, it's borderline great. It's really, really good. It, it's it's borderline great, but it needs to take it needs to take another step here in these next two seasons at, at the absolute longest. I don't think OU fans should have to wait it, it, any longer for a legitimate shot to win at the nat- to, to win the national championship. And, and there needs to be this. And I've said this, and I know I'm kind of repeating myself, but uh, but OU fans need to get hit. That, that Clemson and Alabama are are just annually so much better than they are in certain respects. I, I think you and Pat both have valid points as far as the Lincoln Riley conversation there, and maybe that's why Matt Campbell ends up, you know, getting the the nod. Um, you know, I, you also have to understand that that they lost their first game as well. So, I mean, you know, for everything yeah. that you described with Lincoln Riley, I think that also applies to uh, to Matt Campbell. I don't know if, uh, you know, I know it's a head coaching award, but did anybody do a better job this year than Alex Grinch in the conference? I mean, just coaching period. Cause I, I think when you look at what um, he's done, it, man, it's, I mean, they don't win a big 12 championship without that defense, especially in the last two games, right? The defense saved them in the final two games of the year. Uh, Alex Grinch, you know, good Lord. What a, what a coaching job he did. You're, you're right now. In the early part of the year, I would have said Jim Knowles was probably the coach of the year with the way OSU's defense was playing. Yeah, that's because fair. there was a one point this season where you and I both thought OSU had the best defense in the Big Twelve. Yeah, for sure. And then after the you know starting with the OU game and afterwards, it 
it started showing signs of, you know, it started showing some cracks in the foundation. Um, but I would say that Alex Grinch, Jim Knowles, probably the top two coaches in the league overall this year for what they did with their defenses. And I mean, throw Iowa State's defense coordinator in there as well. Um, and, and I don't know why his name keeps keeps escaping me. That guy's been around a while. Um, looking for, I, I don't know. And Lincoln Riley, I mean, if you're just talking position coaches. Now, here's the thing with Lincoln Riley. He has had now four supremely talented guys at his disposal, at his disposal play quarterback. How much credit does he deserve for the improvement of Spencer Rattler this year? And how much of that is just Spencer Rattler experience just kind of getting better on his own? Because I don't think anybody that saw Spencer Rattler play in high school thought he was a project. Right. He wasn't. I mean, he came in with a high football IQ. He came in a, a very talented individual, but he has definitely progressed for, from from where he was. So I give him some credit. I, I'll give Lincoln Riley some credit for the improvement of Spencer Rattler. I don't think it was completely Rattler, but I think there there's you know that, that DNA. You know, Rattler had a lot of things going for him where really he should be this good now. Yeah. Um, with or without Lincoln Riley. I mean, look, there are there are a bunch of five star QB busts that that happen every year. So, or high profile, you know, guys that are are recruited into college football that don't pan out the way they're supposed to. So, uh, for as much as we can say it's the skill set, I think that that coaching goes a long way, especially at that position. To you know, because again, the physical tools are there, but a, a big part of that position, I mean, there are guys that can throw the football over a fucking mountain, but, you know, they just never make the right decisions and don't handle pressure the right way. And I think we've seen from that aspect, Spencer Rattler develop a lot over the course of this season. Yeah, he has. Um, and and you wonder, what's the next level for him? You know, where, where do we see him improve next year? Um does he do a better job? I mean, it's almost like you're nitpicking the guy, but next year, does he do a better job not locking on to certain receivers? Because at times he can do that. Do we see him in the RPO run the ball a little bit more? Um, as far as his decision-making goes, wow. I'm just wondering how much better his decision-making can get because it's pretty darn good now. He's in year one. I, I think this. I think it can get drastically better. So, like that's that's the good thing about it. Like he's already this good. I thought he was the best quarterback in the Big Twelve. I, I know that's kind of a worn out narrative now since the, the what it's been a week since the the awards were announced. And and I like a lot of people thought that Spencer Rattler should have been the first team quarterback over uh, Brock Purdy. But again, I, I, I this dude is NFL good. I mean, he has the tools to be at that level. And, you know, I think uh, the other part of this, and, and I think we can go back to Saturday and look at, at the Iowa State game, he kind of needs the rest of his group around him to kind of catch up as well. Like, the, you know, there's there's so much inexperience with that OU offense. Um, and, you know, you didn't have a spring, you didn't have a fall. Like, I kind of feel like next year when those guys all are a year older, have had more time to, to kind of gel and develop chemistry, that offense I think is going to be scary good next year. It should be because you've got that receiving core that'll be a bit a bit older. Um, are you still looking for that go-to guy? And there's probably three or four guys that we could we could list. Trajan Bridges being one of them. Now that that oh, you've just got him back, 
that that could be Spencer Rattler's, um, you know, Spencer Rattler's safety blanket. The other thing you should get back next year is a healthy Austin Stogner, um, who, who was not available in, in the Big 12 championship game. So you get him back. Uh, running back position, if Kennedy Brooks comes back next year, he'll be good. Now you're losing DJ Pledger. He's decided to go into the transfer portal. Um, you're not going to have Ramondre Stevenson next year. But OU's running game has, has been you – know, you, you've never really had to worry about OU's running game really since Bob Stoops has, has come around. So that ought to be good. I can't – I mean, for, for as good as the offense was this year, taking it to another level, I, you're looking at a team next year that probably on the low end is averaging somewhere around – 31, 35 points a game, and I may be conservative in that estimate. Um, and it'll be interesting to see that if they become uh, another, you know, potent, typical Lincoln Riley offense that puts a lot of points on the board, is the defense is smothering as it is now, or do we see the defense give up more points a la LSU a couple of years ago, where as a defense they were giving up more points, but you found out even though they were giving up more points, they were still pretty talented and pretty fierce. Uh, and that's, I think that, that becomes the interesting talking point next year is how much does the, the offense and their output affect what the defense is, is able to do? It always does. And will we miss, and will we misjudge the defense? Um, yeah. Cause I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that the defense has a chance to be pretty darn good next year. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, and and part of that I think also has to do with whether or not Alex Grinch is still in Norman, or whether or not he uh, decides now is the right time to to make a move. I, I I think Sooner fans should be optimistic about this, simply because I this is a really tough time in my opinion to try and start a new program with everything that else that you have to deal with outside of just the football elements. So, I mean, maybe he's just ready to to take on that challenge immediately. Um, I also think that you give it another year or two, and I mean, considering the track that they're on defensively, I mean, the 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 job quality that may be offered to him could be drastically better next year or the year after. Yeah, and here's my question with Alex Grinch: Where do you see him going? Um, because next year, here's here's what's interesting about the next couple of seasons in college football. I mean, honestly, Colby, I'll I'll tell you right now, I am shocked that there were that many head coaching jobs open at the end of this season. With COVID and athletic directors and presidents talking about the financial crunch that they were feeling in the shortened seasons, and there were some that weren't even going to play, and then, oh my God, we're going to play. I was surprised that that many jobs were open. I was surprised that that Auburn was willing to write Gus Malzahn a check for for, for $21 million. They're idiots. Um, and now they can't find anybody yeah, to take are. the job. Yeah. Well, th- this is a perfect the example guy, for the people that the always guy just... That, the guy that will take the job, well, they don't want. So. Right, right. This is the perfect example for the people that are always like, you know, insert name here is doing a terrible job, fire him. Well, do you, re- do you really want to pay somebody to just leave without having the next guy in line? Because if you just do that, 
and then you strike out across the board, you're paying somebody a bunch of money to not coach your football team while also also still in search for a guy that, if you bring him in, may not even be the answer, and you're setting yourself back five more years instead of potentially waiting another season and writing it out with you know the, the guy you currently have in place. So this what is happening at Auburn, I think, is a perfect example of why you don't just fire a guy for the sake of firing him because he hasn't done a good job. No, and look at what Texas did. Um, Texas, well, one, Texas was a little foolish, if you know the background on that, where right. they went out, they were, you know, courted Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer said no, and then they realized, well, crap, there's there's really no one out there that we want other than, than this guy, so we'll just stick with Tom Herman, which I'm sure made Tom Herman feel just awesome. Uh, <laughs> and like, well, great, I'm... I know they're behind me 100%. They kept me over, you know, they kept me just because they couldn't get Urban Meyer. Um, in fact, there are stories out there that Tom Herman uh, and his agent, you know, pursued the South Carolina job to get out of that situation. And you can't blame him for that, which would have been hilarious that he gotten that job and left in Texas to get Urban Meyer. My God, it would have been, that that would have been the best story in college football all season long just to watch Texas with, with you know, freak out like, oh my God, yeah. what are we going to do now? Um, and when anything bad happens to Texas, it's just funny. <laughs> it's just, it brings so much joy to my heart when bad things happen to Texas. Um, but you're, I think for the next couple of seasons, you may see, I mean, especially you talk about the Auburn situation. I think you're going to see 80s and presidents be more responsible before they just go out and act someone. Like, they're going to tell the guy who's writing the check, dude, seriously, if you want to pony up what we owe this guy, and then you want to pay the new guy, you can afford to do that, by all means. We'll we'll make it happen. But we're not just going to go out and fire someone and put ourselves in a financial hole, especially when you've got the means to pump money into the program and and, and get a fairly quick turnaround. So for a guy like Alex Grinch, I wonder what I wonder is, is the opportunity to be a head coach going to knock on the door or is there going to be a situation like this year where maybe he gets a call from Ed Ogeron and says, come run my defense in the SEC. I like what you did at OU. Dave Aranda just got the Baylor job. I can obviously elevate you here. We're going to get better athletes in Baton Rouge that you're going to get in Norman on this side of the ball. I got him now. I just need a guy that knows how to work with him that can make him aggressive. Can, can he come do that? And I kind of wonder if that opportunity doesn't, doesn't present itself for Alex Grinch before the head coaching job. And if he's tempted, if he's tempted to do something like that, um, if, if Nick Saban or Kirby Smart were to call him, does the allure of being a defensive coordinator in the SEC does that tickle his fancy enough where he's like, yeah, I can go do that for a couple of years. And I'm still young enough where, you know, we're probably going to get in the playoffs. My name will get bigger and I'll get an even better opportunity as a head coach. I, th- I think the answer for me is no. I, I First of all, I, I think a lot of this is totally about expectation and what you can accomplish versus, you know, the pressure that you're going to feel as far as expectation and the expectation, if he were to take Georgia or LSU or even Alabama, for example, is through the roof. 
what he's already accomplished yeah. in Oklahoma, considering how bad they were. They were at the bottom of college football two years ago to where they are now. Like, I, it just it doesn't make any sense, I think, to make that jump, considering what you've already done at Oklahoma and what the expectation would be in those other scenarios. And, and here's the other thing. We, we talked about this for the last decade in the Big 12. The style of football that was being played in the Big 12, we all said it. Defensive coordinators didn't want to come here and play in, in that play against that style of football every single week. Well, guess what? That's what the SEC is doing now, and the Big 12 has kind of come back to the middle. So do you want to go back to trying to defend that sort of offense on a weekly basis, or do you want to stay in the Big 12 where, again, it's it's becoming more 50-50 again, and it's not the the Mike Leach-style offense that... You know, it's it's like it's almost like the two conferences have flip flopped in terms of style. That's, that's a good point. That's a good point. I was gonna I was gonna bring that up today because I was talking to somebody yesterday, and we were discussing how all, Florida probably wants a shootout against Oklahoma. Absolutely. Where OU OU wants to play this game in a phone booth. Yeah. And just even last year, last year, Colby, we were not saying that about Oklahoma. Um, you know, we, we thought Oklahoma wanted to get every game into a shootout because that's the only way that they, they had to win. Yeah. Now, here's the thing to remember about the Big 12 now. The reason the Big 12, you saw the Big 12 be 50-50, is outside of Brock Purdy, outside of Spencer Rattler, you just didn't have that many good quarterbacks in this conference. And, you know, Spencer Sanders, God love that kid. Who knows? Who knows with him? Next year, and I think if you talk to Mike Gundy, as happy as he was with the way the OSU offense was or OSU defense was this year, I think he was probably equally as disappointed in the offense. And there's at least some talk around OSU of wanting to get back to what they were in in the offensive identity category, which is be a little bit, be more up tempo, be able to score more points. Um, but at the same time. They have a very similar philosophy to OU, and then as they want to pound, they want to be able to run the ball successfully as well. Um, usually, can't do it as well because you just don't have the offensive line that OU does. So, I can see where what, what I'm really cautious about saying anything about the Big Twelve and the SEC totally flipping is this year just an aberration. Is this the aberration of the Big Twelve? You know, is this just, just, and I think I'm using that word wrong, but um, is this just the year where the Big 12 offenses are all kind of on pause? And then over the next couple of seasons, do we see them get back to that more familiar Big 12 look where where the games are a little bit more high scoring? And that's the interesting question, because I think as long as Tom Herman is at Texas, and as long as Clyman's at K-State, those two teams are going to be more power than they are going to be spread. But is that what we're going to see at Iowa State? Is that what we're going to see at Kansas? Who the hell knows? What I mean, Iowa State has a pretty good quarterback, uh, and they have the nation's leading yeah. rusher as well. Yeah, and they've got – look, they've got two they, – they had two really good tight ends as well. Yeah, and they run um, the football a lot. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think Iowa State likes the – I think Matt Campbell, I love the way Matt Campbell does his offense. It's yeah. very similar to what you're seeing in the NFL. Uh, but the only thing that 
yeah, I'm trying to go back and if I, if I miss, if, if I, you know, feel free to call me on this if I miss it, but it didn't seem like during the Big 12 championship game, I can't recall Brock Purdy getting under center at all in that game. He may have, I don't remember, but that's about the only thing you don't see Matt Campbell do. And that's something that I'd like him to put in his repertoire. Hell, that's something I'd like Lincoln Riley to put in his repertoire to help the quarterback. You know, and look, I understand the NFL has changed and evolved, and you're seeing more guys in shotgun. But at a certain point, they want they you are going to have to get under center in the Big Twelve or in the NFL. Baker Mayfield's doing it. Russell Wilson will do it. Uh, Jalen Hurts, I think Jalen Hurts did it a couple of times. <laughs> so you're going to need that. You're going to need that element. You know, to put that element in, you're going to need it. But it'll be interesting to see if the Big Twelve stays as balanced as they are. Um, especially at Tech, because they're trying to hire Sonny Cumbie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they got him, didn't they? I, I, th- I thought I saw that was official. Uh, oh, that may be official. Well, then, then guess what? Then guess what Tech's going to do next year? Yeah. <laughs> Tech's going to try and beat everybody 63 or 56. Yeah, they, you know, they, they're, they're they, going, uh, they did that officially. He is the offensive coordinator. Um, what you're saying is true back, about the quarterback situation. The I, I agree with you with what you're saying about the quarterback situation. Obviously... When you don't have great quarterback play, you're going to run the football more. So that is a an, a valid point. Completely agree. And and you're gonna you're gonna run the offense that your personnel dictates. You're gonna you know is gonna give you the the best opportunity to win. So if it makes sense that if you have a better quarterback, you're gonna throw the ball more. But I the the thing is stylistically with almost every team in this league, we've seen this shift start to happen before this year. It's not like just in 2020 all of a sudden all these teams like changed the way they were playing. It's been trending this way for the last few seasons. And I think a lot of that is, you know, there were a lot of new head coaches brought into the league and a lot of thought process that you have to be able to run the football. You have to, you know, slow things down. Like I think most of the coaches in this league, and I talked about this a couple years ago when we were at big 12 media days, like when you heard all the coaches talk about their teams and, and what they wanted to do, Basically, everybody wanted to get away from the old spread, up-tempo offense that was being run in this league. And so I think that shift started a couple years ago, and we're at this point now where it's, you know, you're seeing more of what teams ideally want to do. That said, if you have a better quarterback, naturally you're going to throw the ball more. Naturally, you're going to put the ball in his hands more to win you games. But I think even with that, nobody wants to go, nobody in this conference right now wants to go back to running the, the style of spread offense that we've seen in this conference for a long time. I, I still think even with really good quarterback play, the majority of teams in this league want to be as close to balanced as possible, want to run bigger personnel packages than, you know, the, the five wide just spreads you out, run up tempo and, and, you know, show no signs of running the football. Like, I, there's just a completely different, I think, offensive mentality from most of these head coaches in the league than than there was five years ago. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, Colby. I mean, if that's the case, with the way the SEC has been, and they've been so staunch in defense wins championships, and we've seen the last couple of years, they're, you know, the, the more up-tempo offenses, if they get back to that. And honestly, I think it would be better for college football if they did get back to that. Because as fun as it was to see, you know, high-scoring games, eventually those of us that like football, it gets old. And you hate to, this sounds so awful to say, but truth of the matter is, is if you watch football, you like violence. 
despite what Colin Cowherd <laughs> wants to say about that being an, a, a Neanderthal attitude, um, the truth of the matter is, is real football fans love the violent nature of the game. You love to see Ronnie Lott take someone's head off. You love to see Roy Williams horse collar someone, even though that's illegal now. You, uh, you like the big hit on on the kickoff on the kickoff when when that happens or the kickoff return. Um, you know, we like to see guys get laid out, and even though there's a, a stigma with it, because you know now we realize how much damage that is doing to people. That's the way football is. And every football coach in America, even those like Lincoln Riley, the, the air quote offensive genius guys, will tell you it's a violent game and they want their guys to play with reckless abandon. Yeah. And people are going to get hurt. So while it was novel, while it was fun, while it was, you know, one of those things that was in vogue for a while, bringing it back, bringing the game back to where it was makes it more enjoyable for the real football fans because we, you want to see a game, you want to think it's high scoring when it's 28-24 or 31-24 or 31-28. And, you know, 35-28, to 28, that's about where I think if you're a true football fan, 35-28, to 28, that's, your, that's your cutoff. Because anything higher than that just, it, it gets the, it, 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 you know, you ought to have the yakety socks playing. <laughs> in the yeah. in the background, thirty five to twenty eight is your cutoff because it's just enough scoring with a little bit more high scoring than you want. But usually thirty five to twenty eight, somebody's defense had to make about two or three stops in that game. And you know, I like that. You know, I I, I, I like it when when t- when teams are fighting it out, slugging out. It's physical. I hate it when it's just c- completely three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, and you've got to. 63 ball game or something like that. There, there, there has to be enough balance in it for you not to just get bored and think, okay, well that's, you know, that's, that's too much. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just about knowing that the defense is capable of getting a stop or that the offense is capable of moving the football. Like, you know, when, when you know that the defense is just completely incapable of getting a stop, then a, you know, a 56 to 49 game is not nearly as entertaining because that's the expectation when you get a 56 to 49 game where you understand that the defense is in fact capable of getting stops, but, but great plays are being made. I, you know, I think that's where there's a difference and it's not just the same situation. And, and I would even add, you know, offensively like a, a six to three football game where you, you understand the offenses are capable of doing things, but getting, you know, shut down versus, just going into a game, understanding that an offense is completely incapable of moving the football. Like those, I think those give you different, a different feel when you're watching it versus, you know, like the alternative again. No, does that make, I, does that make I, sense? I totally, I totally, you know, I, I totally get what you're saying there. And I, you know, at some point, you know, some of the, you know, the, the 35 to 28 game, um, you know, 42 points. I just want 42 points to be enough for you to win yeah, a football game. Be. If you score yeah. 42, you should win yeah. the game. That 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 ought to be a borderline blowout. But it just hasn't been for so long. You know, the, the Baker Mayfield, Pat Mahomes thing, for those of us that were in Lubbock that night, it, it felt like you were never getting out of there. And I felt bad for everybody who was on deadline that night trying to write stories because <laughs> it just 
Yeah. Never get in. You're stuck. Yeah. Uh, this, this game is just going to keep going forever. I mean, they're going to have like eight overtimes or, or whatever the situation was. It's kind of fun at first, and then it just felt like, like you said, the defenses were bad, and no one could get a stop. And yeah, was, it, it went from yeah. like feeling like both offenses were just playing so well to like getting to this point where you just literally knew that neither defense was capable of getting a stop, and it was going to take one of the offenses to maybe you know just just miss a throw or you know I guess stop themselves, so to speak. Like that that was that's why I think when yeah. you get a game like that sometimes. You know, it may be called a good game in one conference and a bad game in another. And I'm not, I'm not trying to defend or justify either one. I'm just saying, like, when you're watching a game and you just, with your eyes, you can tell this defense has zero chance to stop this team versus, you know, they do have a chance to stop them, but the other team's making great plays. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I'm not saying that that's the case in one conference and not in another or whatever. I, I'm just saying in, in any specific game, when you just go into it or you're watching it, understanding that one side of the football, whether it's offense or defense, is just incapable of holding up their side of the matchup, then that's that's what what I think we're talking about. Yeah, no, you're you you hit the nail you hit the nail on the head there. We wanna we we wanna see stops. I mean yeah, it, we want competition it's fun to watch ultimately. Yeah. It's fun to watch a guy like Pat Mahomes now. For as great as he is, it's fun to watch somebody beat him. Because you just don't think it's going to happen. You want to see a good defensive. You you want to see somebody come up defensively and be able to make plays and pick off a couple of his passes or or sack him or yeah, put some pressure on him, make him make. Ball and, yeah, yeah, agreed. When he when he cuts the ball and runs, maybe he only gets eight instead of ten, and just you know, comes up short on, on that first down. And if you get the sense that, well, you know, he's Superman and no one can stop him, then, then you, you lose interest in the game. It's like, all right, I already know the outcome. Yeah. It, it does feel predetermined. You know, when, when he makes a valiant effort and come back, you want to have a little bit, you want to have a little bit of doubt on a guy being able to do it this time. It's like, right. man, they're, you know, they're down 28-14 and there's only five minutes left. You know, if he's able to come back and lead them to a win, you want to have some doubt in your mind, not like, well, okay, they can't stop him. So, yeah, their defense is terrible, but you've given this guy a minute left, so he's going to figure out how to win the game. So, yeah, it's just kind of there. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I that's what is so fun about, I think, this Oklahoma-Florida matchup is we have these these styles where Florida looks a lot like the Big 12 teams over the last 10 years have looked. High-powered offense, great quarterback, Terrific playmakers offensively, a defense that uh, has been extremely underwhelming all season long. I mean, every time I watch them, they're getting lit up. Uh, and then on the other side, for Oklahoma, you know, it's it's a defensive line that completely, every time you walk away from a Sooner game, that is the lasting impression, I think, or at least for me. I walk away from, over the last two months, every time the Sooners play, like I walk away with the defensive line as the first thing I mention, And then, you know, an offense that while has really good players and is capable of making big plays, isn't, you know, consistent throughout the course of four quarters and doesn't just every, every uh, possession score in two minutes. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting to me that this is the matchup. And I, I kind of enjoy that we have these two teams from these two conferences facing each other with the flip narratives going into it versus what we've had over the last 10 years for, for what each conference is known for. Now, what 
what I'm interested in seeing in, in this game is one, can OU contain Florida's offense, which has been out- outstanding this year. And, and OU hasn't played a quarterback as good as Kyle Trask all season long. So how does that affect? Also, you've got players opting out on both sides. And where, where this game gets a little dicey as far as you being able to kind of figure out what's going to happen is I don't know how into this game either team is. Yeah. And if OU goes out, let's just say OU goes out and waylays Florida. Like Florida, just, it becomes like the Alabama Sugar Bowl from a few years back. Yeah. What I don't want to have the feeling of is a couple of years later, if these two teams meet, that Florida just kind of showed up and went through the motions. I want to know that that if, that if that if OU beat them, OU legitimately beat this team, and they beat them because they were the they were the better team, not just that day, but they were the better team and possibly the better program. And unfortunately, that's not something that we're going to know at the end of this game. I mean, we might know. We, we might be able to tell real quick who's into this game and who's not. And I kind of wonder, from an OU standpoint, or actually really not just from OU, but any teams playing right now, how many teams are just kind of ready for this season to be over with? It's going to drain on a lot of people. No, go ahead. Sorry, I, was gonna, I was just going to say, yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. I, look, I, I think that when those guys get in that situation, um, your competitive juices take over and you're going to try to win the game. But I think in terms of what the buildup is and the preparation, yeah, I think you could certainly have a situation where guys don't take this game nearly as seriously from a preparation standpoint as they would another matchup. But I'm, I, I'm not one of those people that thinks once you get inside the game, guys aren't trying or guys don't want to win. That's... That's absurd, and I know sometimes, like, you know, we we say, like, well, they didn't want to be there. Okay, they didn't want to be there, so from a preparation standpoint, yeah, they probably didn't come into the game prepared, and they probably weren't as mentally focused, but this idea that anybody shows up to a bowl game and then just goes through the motions when the other team is trying to sack you or the other team, you know, like, I, I don't think that ever happens. I think when you get on the football field, you're giving everything you have, the problem is you may not have prepared very well and you may be completely lost in that moment. No, that's true. That's true. And it, it, it you know, it's, it's a good point you make and every coach will tell you that and it's cliche as it sounds, you got to want it just as bad on right. Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday as you do on, as you do on Saturday afternoon and Saturday night, especially when you're playing and athletes that are as good as you are. You know, yeah. you can probably get and away with you that when you're playing of, a, a lesser degree of, of athlete across the board. Yeah, and when you, you can't just show up on Saturday and go, oh, yeah, I am ready. Because yeah. most of the time, again, another cliche, you play like you practice. Mm-hmm. And, and if you hadn't practiced well, then then chances are when you, when you go into that locker room on Saturday, you're just kind of like, you, you, you're – you're there, you're ready to get it over with, and, and then it, and then when you're down 14 to nothing, that's usually when you, it, it, you're like, oh crap, yeah, we're in a game, we got to play, we don't want to get embarrassed by that time, it, it, it's just too late. And, and I thought what Nick Saban said after that game was, was really, I, I, I thought he hit the nail on the head after OU beat him in that Super Bowl where he said, hey, you know, coaches, players around here, we've forgotten how hard it is to win. 
Well, we, we've been pampered too long. Yeah. And, and that game, he used that game as a jumping off point of, no, 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 no. We're not, we are, we have set a standard. We're at a certain level right now. We're not going below that standard. And I think Alabama, did Alabama win the national championship next year? I mean, if they didn't, it wasn't too long after that that they did. I think that's right. But I think it was, uh, I think Jacob Coker took over that next year and they won. And and he, you know, he, he used that as you don't want to feel like this, do you? You don't want to. You got to. Nah, you guys had it too easy. He, he pulled back, went went a little bit old school, and it was a good thing. Um, I, you know, we talk about all this. You know, the bowl games and these players opting out, realizing they don't want to get hurt. The draft is coming up. I, I know that they're a big part of college football. But I really do think the bowl games are in danger, especially if we can expand the playoffs to eight and, and eventually 12 teams. I, I think that really per, pretty much renders the bowl game useless. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's an exhibition It's an exhibition game as it is now, and if players really aren't excited about it because they didn't make the playoffs, then I don't think there's a reason to, to force them to play. And, and this is where agents and athletic directors are going to have to get together and decide what your bonuses are after a season. And, and obviously you're not going to have one tied to a bowl game. You're going to have to make that up somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, as sad as it is, like, you know, Kyle Pitts isn't going to play in this game if it happens, which, you know, is a whole nope. other conversation. But like Kyle Pitts is a probably a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. He's a guy that if that game happens next Wednesday, just, just looking at the matchup and how much Oklahoma like struggled with Charlie Kolar, for example, just, on Saturday in the Big 12 Championship, Kyle Pitts is is arguably the best tight end I think I've ever seen at the college level. And and no disrespect to Charlie Kolar, I think just from an athletic standpoint, you're looking at a guy that's on another level. You know, from a skill standpoint, I think they're both elite tight ends in college football. There's just an, an extra, I think, tier of athleticism with Kyle Pitts, and I think he would have been a massive problem for Oklahoma. But, like, why on earth would he play in a Cotton Bowl game? Like, it's it's not a championship. It's not the college football playoff. And and I think when you weigh the risk of getting hurt in that game, again, that's like you, you described it as an exhibition versus being a top 10 pick. Like it's a no brainer for a guy like that. Like, honestly, I'm, I am stunned that Tylen Wallace is playing in the cheese it bowl and, and good for him. I love the fact that he wants to compete, but like, is that worth the risk for me? It wouldn't be. No. I mean, if, that, if he were my son, no, I- I'd be like, dude, no way. Like, I, I love that that is your mindset. And look, I think there are going to be a lot of NFL GMs that absolutely love that he wants to compete, and that's going to to win people over as far as his mentality. But man, I just the cheese is the cheese at bull worth the risk of you know blowing out a, a, an ACL again? And you know already he's it's not like he's a, a top ten receiver any or a top ten pick in the draft anyway. Like it, it just ah. Uh. The, the only reason to play in that game is if, if you're Tyler, if you're Tylen Wallace, is if somebody said, if you somehow spoke to somebody about where you are potentially in the draft, yeah, and and they were telling you, well, man, you're kind of, I mean, you're a borderline first day guy, you're a borderline first round guy right now, yeah, and you could somehow use that game to get, you know squarely somewhere in the middle of that first round, then yeah, I would say, you know what, go for it. You're kind of, 
you're, you're, there's a lot of money at stake here. Go ahead and play them. The other thing is you got to remember is if you're now, I don't, Tyler Wallace isn't a senior, right? He's not a four year senior, so he can't get invited to the senior bowl. I don't think. I don't remember what class Tyler is. He junior? I think he's a junior. Yeah. Okay, so that and that may be one reason why why he's doing it because if you had the option of playing in the senior bowl where you get to go down to Mobile and you're working with NFL coaches and working with NFL scouts and they are there. No, he's a senior. You know, yeah. Oh well, then yeah, see, if, if you're going to play in the senior bowl, if you're going to play in the senior bowl, then I wouldn't play in this game. I just go to the senior bowl and do yeah. my workout, right? And, and here's a, here's the thing that GMs understand, and I think they understand now, which makes sports really interesting to talk about. Is everybody knows it's a business. There's enough information out there from guys past about how quick careers can end. And we know that, you know, they can, they can end quick for a multitude of reasons, not just injuries, but eventually people get tired of you or you're not producing enough. So any GM that holds it against Tylen Wallace or any player for not playing in a meaningless bowl game yeah. only has to look as far as their own organization and think about the guys that, the guys that have made it, you're established, NFL vets who hate preseason games because you can get hurt and, and, and damage your career or ruin your career. At Tony Romo, I mean, Tony Romo's career ended in a preseason game. Yeah. You don't have to look any further than that to understand where these college kids are coming from. Right. Because they know it's a business. They know they're only as good as their last play. They know that the organizations are going to use them up. And we've got to quit. At, we have to quit acting like I don't know the whole sacrifice for the for the team thing. That sounds great, being part of something bigger than yourself, and it, it all sounds great when it's coming from a high school coach. But once you hit college, really, that's just a line of BS. Well, and when there's nothing to gain as well, like when you're not when there's not a championship on the line or some, you know, again. And some people would say, like, you're you're out there for competition and, and these bowl games matter. But, I mean, do they? That's By the way, I, I no. completely missed, I guess I just found an article going back to November 18th that Tylen Wallace is going to the Senior Bowl. So I, I just, I guess I missed that back then. But, yeah. If, if I'm him, then there's, then there's really no reason just to, <laughs> there's no reason to play in this game. Yeah. There's none. I mean, look, for and, Oklahoma State fans, I'm glad that they get to have this final game with Tylen Wallace and, and all of that. I mean, that's that's cool, and he's going to have this final opportunity to play with his teammates. I'm just looking at it from a draft perspective, and if I were advising, like, that, to me, the, the risk certainly outweighs the reward in, in playing in that game. So I, I don't know what you gain other than, you know, again, just having that final opportunity to go out there and play with your teammates, uh, which I, I'm not trying to... to make it sound like that's a small thing. Cause that, you know, I know a lot of football players absolutely appreciate, you know, that, you know, how many times do you hear guys, Eric, at the end of their career, say the thing I miss most is just being around my guys and, and the locker room. So having that final opportunity to do that with your college teammates is not a small thing. And I'm not trying to, to dismiss that at all. I just think when you consider what you have to gain versus what you have to lose uh, financially, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but 
uh, you know, I, I love that he's, no, I love I mean, that he's play, from a mentality standpoint, I love that he wants to do it. You know, if you're playing for a national championship, by all means, go ahead and play. Um, if you're, and, and do those, I mean, just going to the cheese at bowl, can you even sell, do you even sell going to bowl games as, as a recruiting as, as a talking point when you're, when you're visiting with a kid now? It's tough. Do they get excited about that? Yeah, Yay, we went to the cheese at bowl last year. Even, hey, we went to the Cotton Bowl last year. I don't think that really excites kids at all. What they want to hear is, hey, we put this many kids in the NFL. Yeah. And we, we went to the college football to playoff or, yeah, or conference. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, that's, that's what they want to hear. I don't think they – Hey, we we got a great trip, and there was a great bowling competition. You know, between us and the other team, and everybody had a lot of fun. Those those that's a that's a bygone era, um, and for some people, that's hard. It, it's hard to understand, but that's exactly what it is. I mean, it just doesn't doesn't matter to these kids anymore. They they've got their eyes on much bigger prizes because it's so lucrative. It can be or it can be extremely lucrative to play in the NFL. Yeah. So yeah, that's where I'd have my sights set. Right. Uh, by the way, Trey Brown opted out of the Cotton Bowl for Oklahoma, so he's not going to be there, which I think is also a massive loss. We talked about Kyle Pitts not being there, but Trey Brown also extremely important yep. for that Oklahoma defense um, because, you know, as far as Florida throwing the football, they have – it's not just the Kyle Pitts show. They have – I mean, Grimes and, and Tony are both big-time playmaker receivers for Florida. So that's – you know, that's I, that's a big loss for Oklahoma. But if the, if the front four dominates uh, the way that they have over the last month, it's not nearly as significant – and you can mask that hole. Um, and speaking of opting out, I just saw this hit my Twitter timeline. Uh, Creed Humphrey says, in my eyes, I started this season, so I intend to finish it with my team. So while Trey Brown is is out and going to opt out and get ready for the NFL draft, Creed Humphrey says, again, viewing it the same way that Tom Wallace does, you know, I started this season with my guys, I'm going to finish it with my guys. Yeah, I saw Ramondre Stevenson is too. So, I mean, yeah. that's... That's good for Creed. That's that's good for Creed. That's good for Creed Humphrey. Uh, that, that he's going to do that. I wouldn't have blamed him um, if he didn't. Right. But at, at least you know. And I think for I think for some of these guys, we, we can't we can't dismiss the fact that look, you've been around. You have been around a lot of guys who have played in the NFL and the NBA throughout your career. All of them are much closer with their college teammates than they are their professional teammates. No doubt. Or so or so it seems. So so there is there is part of that there. I mean Creed Humphrey knows he's going to be closer to the guys that he played with at Oklahoma than whatever NFL organization he ends up on. I mean that's you know more the you know, that's just kind of and I think for, for him, it's probably more about that than it is really anything else. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, last thing before I let you run. So the NBA kicks off tonight. We have two games, uh, Nets, Warriors, Kevin Durant against the uh, the Golden State team that he just left in his return. That, that'll that be, I think, a fun game. Uh, Clippers, Lakers, the nightcap. But uh, Thunder tip off tomorrow in their season opener. I tweeted this yesterday. Like, this almost feels like the Godfather, like, intermission, right? Like, you've you've watched the first half, and then we took this short break, and now we're, like, putting in the second VHS tape to, to like, pick up where we left off. Like, the NBA season hasn't been gone long enough for it to feel like it's a, a brand new thing. 
No, it, it hasn't. And, and somewhere, uh, somewhere during the intermission, the Thunder changed coach and a lot of players on their roster. Um, I, I feel very confident in saying that they'll be one and zero at the end of the, at the end of their opener because they're playing a Rockets team, which by all standards is in complete disarray at this moment, having to deal with with James Harden, who, according to to uh, Sham Serena. I always mispronounce his name. Yeah, I just say uh, Shams. He's yelling at Shams, who is uh, yelling at people, throwing uh, apparently through a ball at, at one of the rookies, and he seems to just be doing everything he can to just torpedo Houston's, Houston's season. So if the Thunder don't go in there and win tomorrow, I guess it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world, but I'd be a bit surprised because I'm just not sure mentally where Houston is. And if James Harden plays, how in, how into the game is is he going to be? Considering he's demanding a trade, so I, I full prediction: the Thunder begin the season one and zero. After that, nice. I think if they nice. can win twenty, <laughs> I think after that, if they could somehow win nineteen to maybe. 23 more games this year after that, I think you'd have to call it a pretty successful season for, for them. Um, because we're, we're just watching them, the two preseason games that I've seen them this year, it seems like they're still trying to figure out where where everybody's going to fit. And you've got a guy like Kenrich Williams, which he's got 19, I think the most minutes he's gotten in any preseason game is 19. But he's versatile enough where I think he could be a, a, a pretty big, he could be a pretty big asset to this team, yeah. bringing him off the bench. So, are you going to bring him along? You know, the whole idea of Shea Gilgis Alexander and Al Horford having great chemistry sounds good, but I also get the feeling that you know Al is Al's going to play good and he's going to be in his best behavior because you know he's still looking for. He, you know, he's he's looking to end up someplace else. Yeah, go play for a contender like Chris Paul's Oklahoma. situation. Yeah, yeah, and I just hope I just hope Oklahoma City isn't becoming the, the rehab place for for wayward stars. <laughs> yeah, it kind of feels like we're heading that way here, where it's like, oh yeah, everybody's forgotten about me. So hopefully, I get drafted to Thunder. I can be good for a year, and then. They'll trade me to they'll trade me to a contender. Well, like, that that would be a horrible spot to be in. George Hill, Trevor Ariza, and Al Horford are all guys that I think would be assets for a championship team. So I mean, like all of those guys are uh, you know obviously they're they're uh, from a talent standpoint um, the the guys here, but like on a really good team, those are are just high quality role players. Uh, I think especially you know Al Horford obviously was an all star at one point in his career, but you know at this point in his career. I don't think he's quite at that level. So, um, yeah, I think all those, all three of those guys kind of have this opportunity to to maybe raise their stock a little bit. And, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me at some point if any of those guys ends up getting moved. But, you know, I almost, I, I almost don't like the fact that they're there because I'd rather see the young guys, honestly. I mean, if we, you know, George, George, George Hill's a good player. Trevor Reese is a good player. Al Horford's a good player. Uh, but they're not the future. And I don't know, are like... It, uh, to me, it almost just they're 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 taking the minutes that that should be used for player development, and at the same time, like you know, I, th- those guys have motivation to play their asses off to get themselves in a better position. So, 
I don't know. It's it's kind of a strange deal with in in that regard. Well, will we even see? Will we even see Trevor Ariza this year? He hasn't even reported to Oklahoma City. The guy he's still dealing with family issues. Yeah, um, with his son, and it feels like it's a Thunder. I, if I'm the Thunder, I move him as quickly as I possibly oh, for, can. Yeah. yeah, I'm surprised he he's get, still here. Honestly, he like I just, I, I just I don't want to be the one to pay him off. So I'm just looking for anyone to, 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 to take on the salary for a dump or, or something. Yeah. Um, the Lakers are said to be interested in him if the Thunder release him and pay him off, but I don't know that I just want to, you know, throw cash away. At least make somebody give you like a second for him, right? Like, come on. Yeah. Presti's the draft pick king. You got to get at least like a a second rounder. (laughs) Well, he he used to be the mid-level exception king. Yeah. He used to always be the mid-level exception or, um, what was the other thing? There was always something else that he always put in his back pocket and never seemed <laughs> to use. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he would trade yeah. players for. Now it's now it's all draft picks. But I, I like you. I mean, look, and I'm you know reading things on social media about well, you know, Al Horford's not washed up, and they told us he was. Well, this team is not going to be last year's team, and just Al Horford and George Hill's presence alone. Yeah. Isn't going to be able to to make this team a a you know middle of the pack Western Conference contender. That's that's not going to happen. Yeah. So I, I hope fans understand that, and, and I hope they I, I hope more more of them are like you, where it's like let's see what the young guys can do because we're trying to we're, we're right. trying to figure right. out where Oklahoma City is for these next few years not just have a magical run like we did this last season. Like, in Oklahoma City, I think George Hill and Al Horford are, are, are your most talented players, and, and they're going to have good numbers, but if they're on a good team, they're playing a completely different role on a good team versus the role they're going to play in Oklahoma City, and so I think that just, like, why would you have that guy in the way of, of the development of other players that are going to, you know, you want to evolve into those pieces? So, we'll, I, I don't know, we'll see how Dagnalt plays this thing, and... and you know, what, what that angle looks like. Because, uh, look, bottom line is they want to be competitive, right? They, I mean, regardless of the win or loss situation, they want to play their asses off and, and you know, put a good product, I think, on the floor every single night. Uh, I just, you know, I, I don't want that to come at the expense it, now that they've made the decision to go into rebuild mode at, um, at, at preventing, you know, player development. So we'll see. Yeah. And, and that's what it's, that's what it's got to that that you know that that's what it's got to be about now. And I think Sam I think Sam Presti understands that. I think it. You look back on that Russell Westbrook contract. I mean, essentially the Thunder's still feeling the effects of that contract because because of Russell Westbrook, you had to take on Al Horford. Because if you hadn't signed Russell Westbrook to that contract, you wouldn't have had Chris Paul. Yeah. And or you know you. You look at some of the some of the trades that they have, you know, some of the trades that they have made. They're still taking on. They're still taking on some salary that they would prefer not to take on. Uh, but that's just the, the, the situation that they're in at this point. No doubt, no doubt, my friend. All right, man. I will let you run. Uh, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas to you and your family. You guys enjoy the holidays, and we will catch up uh, next week. Sounds good. Thank you very much for letting me do this, Colby. Appreciate you, man. Eric G. joining me on the Colby Daniels Podcast. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products. Visit the website abotanicalcompany.com or give them a call 405 405- 
458-9699. Educate yourself on what they have available, how it can improve your daily life. If you're unsure about something, ask them questions. They're more than happy to, to give you the answers to whatever it is you're looking for. And they're great people as well. So again, local ownership, doing great things for the community. And you can order online, abotanicalcompany.com, easy and safe pickup. But I do have to let you know, we're saving you money this holiday season. When you order online, abotanicalcompany.com, at checkout, enter the code Colby Show, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, Colby Show, to get 15% off your online order at abotanicalcompany.com. So I'm really excited we're able to do that, and uh, hope you guys are able to take advantage of that as well. Again, abotanicalcompany.com, Artisan Botanicals. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast. Everybody, have a great day, stay safe, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Podcast is over.